Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Well, hey, as Brian said, Happy New Year. Welcome 2022, right? So glad you're here. Now, my question is, how many of you actually made it to midnight? Wow, look at you guys. You guys are intense, man. Just FYI, Jamie, it was all the young folks that raised their hands to say. I say that because, you know, as you, like around New Year's, you start getting a little older, you know, about 9.30 or 10, you start looking at that watch and you're like looking, casting your eyes east going, let's go, what the New Year? How about we celebrate the Puerto Rican New Year? And then we just, you know, about 10, 10.30, then we call it a night sometimes. But uh, seriously, New Year's, are, they're great because they offer us some closure from the past, right? And whatever needs to be left in the past, let's just leave it there and let's thank God for the, the, uh, the fresh start that we have before us this morning. And so... Seriously, it is a great new year, and I pray that it's a great new year for your family, and may it be a great new year for our family here at Antioch as well. Uh, Before I get into the uh, sermon just this morning, and I I really do, I have a word I feel like God has put on my heart, and I pray it's it's an encouraging word for us today, but before I get into it, as we stand here at the threshold of a new year, I want to take just a second to thank someone and honor someone. Because anytime I get an opportunity to speak or teach somewhere in one of the environments here at Antioch, I'm just always reminded about how much study and how much prayer and how much writing is required to get up and try to make a coherent comment that honors God. And just in that, guys, I just want to say thank you to Jamie and Kim Miller. Yes. Because really, I mean, for years and years, Jamie has been bringing the word to us. And guys, you don't, we just take it for granted sometimes what it takes to, to, he just keeps bringing words to us that are challenging to us, that are sharpening to us, that are deep, that cause us to think. And we're getting changed in the, in the process of it. And so I just wanted to just say how thankful I am to both of you guys, just the lead pastors here. What an amazing job uh, you guys are doing for us. So thank you. Well, this morning, my uh, sermon is, is titled Hope Again, and I want to be sharing from a section of scriptures today. Normally, it'll do a little bit different. I know we usually take a few verses and focus in on those, but I've been reading the book of John in the last couple months and just was kind of captured again by this whole section of scripture in John 13 through 17. There's four, five, six chapters in there. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to stand and read that this morning, because I realize we're going to get to lunch eventually. But uh, it's a a story in there where Jesus is having a long conversation with his disciples, and basically, he's getting these guys ready for his his demise. He's letting them know, guys, this this is what's fixing to happen right now, and here's where we're going, and it is utterly disorienting. It's shocking to them. It's emotional. They're trying to figure out, is he really saying what I think he's saying? And so I want to talk about this <clears throat> this morning. And you remember like these, it's the upper room discourse. And so Jesus is talking there and it's like, 
it's just loaded with iconic comments and teachings for, I mean, it's deep waters in there. And so I just, but instead of trying to talk about the entire thing, what my eyes and heart got focused on was a, a specific moment, a specific conversation in this uh, book here, in this conversation that Jesus <clears throat> was having. And one of the reasons I want to talk about this today is because I, like many of you, have been on a lifelong journey in the discipleship of hope. And I know that we've all experienced tremendous joys, tremendous uh, victories and celebrations, but at the same time, there's, there's trials and there's disappointments that come along with life. And what I want to just encourage us again is like, this is the kingdom life. This is the calling of our God on our lives is to endure, to stay in the game no matter what it looks like. And some days it's harder than others, but it helps us to talk about this stuff sometimes, especially in a season like this. And I just became especially mindful of this in this past year as we have had amazing things to celebrate around here. It's been, uh, 2021 was actually an amazing year. It was, a, it was a year of God's favor in so many ways. And, you know, we're, stay, we're, we're sitting in this new space that's just like the faithfulness of God just has overwhelmed us. He's been so kind and he's been so good to us. And, and it's not just the Nathan initiative. I mean, we've had people getting married and we've had babies being born and there's just, there's been life all around. And yet what I've noticed is that simultaneously, there's been unprecedented loss in our church family. There's been death even among us. And it hasn't just been that alone. There's been just the normal hardships of life. There's been the challenges of financial challenges and just health concerns going on and just relational strains and all those, all those type of things. I know my own wife lost her sweet mother this past year. And there's been many others. In fact, there's been 20, 25 people that have lost a parent, that lost a grandparent, that uh, lost a close friend to them. And so how do we walk in the tension of joy and trials and pain and sorrow all at the same time? You Because know, sometimes it's a little disorient. It's a little confusing to us. Can we you know, see others celebrating? And yet there's things going on in our heart. There's a heaviness in this little piece or place of our heart. And so it just helps us to talk about it sometimes. And so I want to try to do that uh, this morning. Because I just, I don't think we were intended to go through difficult seasons alone, right? And so, but the thing I know is that the enemy loves to get in on our sadness, on our disappointment, and just try to have a field day with us, right? And so he shows up and he starts whispering things to us like, well, you know, you still wouldn't be stuck in that place if you were more spiritual. You know, look at them. They're over there celebrating. And what, what's wrong with you? Are you? Why aren't you believing God enough? Because of, well, you'd, you just wouldn't be right there any longer. You'd be healthier. You'd be moving on with life. And those are lies from the pit of hell, okay? And so we just need to, I just want to yank the hoodie off this devil this morning and just go, nope, nope. We see you. We know what you're doing this morning, all right? Because God is good. God is faithful even in those places. But it's okay to walk in the tension of both, okay? And so my question is, well, let me say this, as, as all that's going on, thankfully, 
we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with in our weaknesses, but one that's been tempted in every way, just as we have, and he didn't sin. But that's an interesting point because why is he talking about what's temptation have to do with me and my sorrow and my challenges? What does, what does giving in to think, what, why is all that mentioned in there? Well, I appreciate you asking that question, Micah. And so we'll go ahead and talk that out today. So my question is, why is hope important? Why is hope important to us? Okay, Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. Wow is right, like the word of the Lord. And so what I want to show you this morning and talk about, there's like a process that our heart goes through when things start happening in our lives, okay? So there's there's trouble. There's trouble that trouble arrives. Our heart becomes troubled. We hear something and anxiety sets in, and we're troubled, we're bothered, we're concerned, we're unsettled. Okay? Soon after that, sorrow shows up. Yes, there's emojis next to all those things right there. That's because some of you are actually gonna remember these things because I put an emoji next to them. <laughs> I know my people. <laughs> I like emojis too, all right? Just, just come and clean, man. <laughs> So our hearts get troubled, and then sorrow shows up. And if the sorrow stays there long, what comes next is temptation wants to show up. And the temptation is to not, to not trust God in the moment. I don't, know, I don't know if he'll be faithful to you. I don't know if you can trust him right now. You probably better go ahead and take control yourself because he, he may not show up fast enough for you. So the temptation shows up, Okay. And what, what comes after that is this, the sin of unbelief. And that's where we're going, yeah, you're right. I don't think God's going to come through for me, so I better act, okay? And so once we get into the sin of unbelief, if we stay there long, we'll eventually fall asleep. And what I want to show you is that this is the same process the disciples were going through when they were having this life-altering conversation with Jesus in the upper room about his coming death. He's talking to some of his best friends, his closest friends, and it's an emotional, anxiety-filled time as they're talking. And so what I want to do, I want to talk about getting our hearts restored from the past so that we can know the love of God for the future, so that we can experience the hope of God for the future. We have an absolutely amazing group of youth here. We have an amazing group of college here. We got one in the house today. All right. Bryson's representing the 75, brother. We see you. We have an amazing group of young adults in this church. Come on. It is. Power, passion-filled, and it's awesome. But the studies are telling us that millions of Gen Zs and millennials are leaving the church right now. And part of this is because of the deconstruction of their faith. Now, part of deconstruction is not bad. And what I mean is, is that if we're needing to relearn some things that we maybe misunderstood a few years prior, and we're doing it in community, we're asking the questions and we're seeking help and we're seeking wisdom, then that's a healthy thing. That's called discipleship, and we have a huge value for that, okay? 
But the ones that walk away, often there's an underlying issue of pain and hurt that's influencing their experience of God. The good thing about this, there's one thing that changes all of this, and his name is Jesus. It is an encounter with the living God. This is what our hearts are longing for. This is what we were made for, was to be in his presence and literally experience the person and the presence of Jesus. Faith gets all worked out when we see him, when we gaze upon him, and his love gets poured out on us. There's one thing, there's one answer for this. And I love, the, I love Gen Z, I love the millennials because you guys have a passion for more. Just longing for more, believing for more, they got high capacity. But what I want to tell you is that the thing that your heart is longing for, it is found right here in the church of the living God. It, this is it. This is the plan. That the, the, You want more, it's found and it's worked out in the church, whether it's in this little local expression or whether it's happening on the mission field, wherever the people of God are. This is, where G, this is your purpose. This is your very calling in life. Everything you're called to do. If you're called to do medicine, then do it with the people of God. If you're called to educate, do it with the church through the people of God. If you're called to raise children, do it at the church. Do it through the church. Do it with the people of God. You'll be better. Your kids will be wiser. Everything will be changed. This is the answer. And so one of the things in Scripture, one of the more common commands we see, I think Jamie mentioned this a week or two ago, is fear not. But I think a close second to it is to not lose heart. And I say that because when we, our heart, when we give our heart over to the influence of fear, our heart begins to shut down, okay? And when our heart begins to shut down, we begin to fall into temptation. We begin to close up and we're not trusting and living by the life of God. The reality is that we were made to live with a wide open heart. We were made to walk in the wonder of God. We were made to, to walk in the hope of God, right? I mean, this is why we love our children. It's why we love being around the grandchildren because they, they just make us happy. We see the wonder. We see the amazement because everything's possible as far as these guys see. They love the wonder and they help, they open things up for us. But at some point... Life will teach these little ones to begin closing up their heart because of the pain, because of embarrassment or something that happens in their life. And the same thing happens when we're born again. Fire, passion of God, then the trials of life start coming. And we've got to work it out. But God's just calling us to entrust him again in this place. And the calling in our lives is to do this over and over and over and over again. We've just got to keep trusting him. And the longer you live, the more you know this is true. That you, this is the kingdom, is great highs and then going down the valley and then back up again 
and then down again and up again and up again and up again and then down a little bit. We've just got to walk through this process of trusting him. And this is where the, this is where the transformation really occurs for us. And it's like, this is, this is what everyone's looking for. This is what our culture is looking for, that people that are living this way and trusting God in this way because it's so attractive to them. Everybody's having trouble. What they're, what they're mesmerized by are the ones that keep getting up, the ones that keep turning back and keep coming with a smile on their face, with hope in their heart, with grace in their life. Not saying we all just got to be happy and laughing all the time because that's not reality. What I'm talking about is us just getting up and going, all right, Lord, I don't know what just happened there, but here I am again. You know, it's Peter said, where else are we going to go, Lord? I don't really know where else to go. So I'm just going to keep following you as long as it takes. <clears throat> Proverbs 13, 12, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So we put our hope in an outcome. We put our hope in we have expectations about the future. But when the expectations aren't met, our hearts get sick. And whether it's hardships that you've been going through, whether it's financial struggles, whether it's sicknesses you've dealt with, whether it's a betrayal of a friendship, someone close to you that you've walked through, Maybe it was a calling. Maybe your calling didn't turn out exactly how you thought it would. Maybe we've just been suffering with addictions for, for too long now. The thing is, though, is that when we're physically sick, we're aware of it, right? We have fever. Eye gets swollen or the tooth, tooth's aching. But sickness of the heart is not so identifiably. It's not, it's not so easily identified. The interesting piece is that we still produce fruit, though. It's just that it's a little bit dysfunctional. Right? Because when we don't realize our heart's sick, then there's just a little bit of judgment in my life. Tones a little edgy sometimes, start getting a little bit cynical, and just, just not, I'm just not feeling, feeling like myself. But guys, hope is the game changer. When we see him, everything changes. And, the, and the, I guess the thing I'm calling us to today is just the discipline of turning to him and finding him time after time after time again. It's not just showing up at church. It's not just going to life group because we can't do this in our microwave kingdom. We can't find what we need in Jesus when we're going at such a pace. There's got to be space. We've got to push things back and go, hold on. Wait a minute, Jesus. I can't keep going like this. I'm exhausted. I'm, this hurts. I don't know how to get these thorns out. Can, can you do it? Will you do it? 
Have mercy on me, Lord. But he meets us every time when we'll pursue him like this. Every time he will do it. I mean, it's, you think about, it's like the social, on the, the social media reels. We see that military mom coming home. And little son sees her and it's him running to her and he's airborne and just whoosh, locked in her arms, right? And think about what his heart must have been going through. You know, as, as long as, however, mom's, however long mom's been gone. I'm sure when she left, she said, I'll be back. I'm coming back. But probably for the last year, he's been going, will I see her again? I thought she said she was coming back. I haven't heard from her. Can I trust mama? Is she really coming back? I don't know if she's coming back for sure. But then mama walks in the room and everything changes like that when he sees mama. It's all the questions are gone. Hope is just rising in him. And guys, it's because hope is the currency that we must possess as disciples. This is it. We've got to be able to get a hold of this. And I don't want to minimize anything that anybody's gone through because it, it probably wasn't a small thing for you. But sometimes we just kind of grit our teeth. We just kind of hold on for a while. And then we end up insulating. And when we insulate from others, we'll start insulating from the Lord, right? And so we just got to be honest. We just got to be honest with ourselves. We got to be honest with others. We got to be honest with the Lord because the younger folks, they're looking for authenticity. They want to see people that, that can really live it out, walk it out. Not perfectly. It's a mess sometimes, all right? Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. It's messy sometimes. It's clunky some days but they want to see people who can get there and find the living God because what that tells them is that it's real. He's true. He's faithful. He really does do what he says when we get to see people that are actually walking it out and living it out. And this, is, this has been really one of my favorite topics because hope has so impacted Jackie and I's life. I, really, I don't know where we would be if it wasn't for God meeting us and giving us hope, you know, and I've, I've experienced the pain of my own poor choices, my own bad decisions in years past. I've had all the unexpected events that have been painful, but I've also experienced the joy of his kindness, his faithfulness. I've experienced all of it, the beauty, the ashes. But for whatever reason, it just seems like sometimes that the hardest one to get over is the last one. And so I just want to say that we just got to keep talking about it because his love will always win if we'll allow it. And so let's take a, a minute to look at how the disciples found hope in one of their darkest hours. As I said, it's a long conversation that Jesus was having with his closest friends and it's there along John 13 through 17. If you remember, if you read this before, it's just pages and pages and pages of red letters. It's the words of Jesus, okay? 
Some of you got some of those old school Bibles that still got the red letters in them. Come on. But it's like Jesus knows that his disciples, they're going through something significant. And so he's deciding to kind of leave some final thoughts for them. This is kind of the, the nature of the story that's happening here. The interesting part is that he's just finished, or we're going to pick up here in John 14 in just a minute. He's just finished washing the disciples' feet, which this is like disorienting to them. They never saw this coming. They thought they were going to have some good food that night. And next thing you know, Jesus, the king, is down washing their feet, which is something only servants should be doing. And so you can imagine the awkwardness in the room, like, oh, no, stop, please stop doing this. And they're having this conversation. And while he's doing that, right when he finishes, he looks at them and he says, by the way, one of you is going to betray me tonight. The other is going to deny me. And so anxiety is just rising in the room right then. And then in an emotional moment for Jesus, he looks at them and just says, and I'm not going to be with you much longer. So imagine having this conversation with a, with a close friend that you love, that you adore, that's been a father to you, and just they're having this conversation. And so he's kind of having a farewell speech to him. You know, and the role of a, a farewell speech is to kind of sort out the relationships, right? It's to, it's to deal with the sorrow. That's, that's what a farewell speech does. If you ever... Have you ever done that with, with, with somebody? Have you ever had a friend or a family member that was moving across the country and you know, you're having this final conversation or gathering, whatever it looks like, and it's just, or you know, as we do around here a lot, you have close missionary friends that are leaving to go, go to the other side of the world. Or in some cases, I know I've experienced is standing at the foot of your father's bed as he's about to pass away and he's given, given me final instructions on things that, he wants me to do. And it's just, it's, they're conversations you never want to have. They're, they're disorienting. I'm, I'm, I remember standing there just going, stop talking, stop saying this. I don't, I don't want to hear these things. But it's like, we got to have this kind of, he knew. He knew what was coming. I wasn't sure. But it's just one of those moments that we, we find ourselves in. And the disciples were there too. And so open up to John 14. We'll read verses one through five. John 14, 1 through 5, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Then Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And so a couple takeaways from this little section of the conversation. So Jesus looks at them in their anxiety, in their concern, and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And so trouble in this context means to be kind of agitated or to have anxiety or to be doubtful, to be stirring up doubt. And it's like all of that's happening in this little section here. And then in verse four, Thomas says, we don't know where you're going. And it's like, we ask the same type questions 
when we find ourselves in these moments, it's like, Lord, where are you? Lord, where were you? We don't see you. We, we don't know where you're at right now in this moment. And then a little bit later, Philip down in verse 8, he says, show us the Father. And so Philip's basically asking, he's like, can you, can you tell us what God's like? Can you, can you tell us about his nature a little bit? Can, you, can we trust him? Can we trust him in this moment? He's, he's looking for some security. He's looking for hope. And then Jesus tells him again a little later in verse 27. He says, my peace I leave with you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. So the trouble's rising. The trouble's showing up. But the stories, it's not turning out like these guys had expected, right? I mean, reality's starting to set in. And then down in John 16, he tells them, he says, grief has filled your hearts. And I like the amplified because it says, sorrow has filled your hearts. And it's like the disappointment, the anxiety, the sadness, it's like starting to make its way in. So we've got the sorrow piece now. And then in Luke's account of the same story in chapter 22, it says that they were leaving the upper room and they were going to the Mount of Olives. And when they get there, Jesus does something interesting. He tells me, he says, you guys stay back. I'm going to go pray. But while I'm gone, I want you to pray so that you won't be tempted. Now, have you ever thought, tempted from what? I mean, I don't think they had internet in the garden. I mean, I, I'm like, really, what are these guys, what, what are they going to get into? Jesus is concerned about these guys. And so he tells them to stay behind, y'all pray, and don't be tempted. And so what is the temptation that he's telling them to resist? And I think the clue comes out when he, when he tells them to pray, right? Because prayer leads us to intimacy with God. Hope is the fruit of intimacy. And he knew what was happening in these guys' hearts. And so he's telling them to pray so that you don't give in to the fear and the sorrow because he knows where it leads. Right? And then when, when Jesus returns from praying... This is another one that just blew my mind. It says that Jesus returns from praying, and it says he found them sleeping, exhausted from sorrow. It's like, from what? I mean, I always thought they fell asleep just because they were tired. But it says they were asleep because they were exhausted from sorrow. And it's like the prophetic picture here is that if we don't deal with, with sadness and sorrow and disappointment in our hearts, then we fall asleep. And remember the process that we talked about we went through, right? Tempt, trouble shows up. Anxiety starts getting released. And then the false narrative starts talking. The lies start talking. 
and sorrow enters in. And then we become tempted because we have undealt sorrow and sadness in our heart. And so our heart begins to close up, which makes us vulnerable to unbelief. And once we stay in the unbelief, it's like the cynicism begins to push its way in. And if we ever surrender our hope, we're falling asleep. And this is, honestly, I think this is one of the reasons that our our culture is just being assaulted with sexual sin. And it's not so much that the sexual sin is the real issue. It's the fruit of unresolved pain and disappointment in our hearts. And so we turn to coping, we turn to, you know, substance abuse or whatever the things are, media binging, you know, pornography, just whatever will medicate us, whatever will get us there. It's like we spend a tremendous amount of time just trying to control things because we want to determine the outcome. But the reality is there's only one thing that we control. It's this right here. This, This is the only thing that you and I can steward is what comes in and out of this heart. It's the only place that we really have a say-so. And the the way that we do this is we just forsake the garments that have given us a false sense of comfort and just rend our hearts before God. God, here I am. I'm not going to give in to this. Would you come and show yourself to me in this place? Would you breathe hope on me? Would you look into my eyes? Can I see you right now in my darkest hour, in my heaviest moment? Will you show yourself mercifully to me, God? Man, and this is one of the reasons I love the prayer and fasting times that we have here at Antioch. We've got one coming up at the end of the month. Just spoiler alert. Get you ready. But it's like, these are the things that, that, get it, that carry us through because I love that we're a people that are willing just to throw ourselves bare and just say, Lord, have mercy. I'm going to push things back. I'm going to push the things that, are just, that I'm relying on right now. I'm going to push these things back. And I, again, I want to say, have your way. Lord, I'm tired of negotiating with you. I'm tired of being 50% surrendered. I'm tired of being 75% surrendered to you, Lord. It's wearing me out. It's creating anxiety in my heart. It's like hope comes when we just say, all right, you do it again, your way, whatever you want. I say again, I'll follow you. I'll go at your time, your place, your way. This is when hope shows up. And it's, it's hard for us to get there sometimes. But it's like, guys, this is the only way to be people that just keep surrendering. Not perfectly, way imperfectly, but together we get to help each other as we see one another and go, man, I'm so thankful to see that brother going for it. Exactly. I need to press into Jesus more. We help each other. We learn from each other. You know, and I've I've shared my story plenty of times over the years. I'm not going to go into the details right now, but just, you know, I had a, uh, in college, had a painful divorce with my, my parents got divorced. And so 
I turned to alcohol and drugs, just abusing that for a long season. And then shortly in the, in the middle of all that, got held up at gunpoint, woke up with somebody at the end of my bed pointing a gun at me. My life flashed before my eyes. Shortly after that, got absolutely rocked by God. Found Jesus, got transformed. I've, <laughs> I've never been the same since because of this encounter I had with Jesus by myself. No one led me there, but it was about crying out to Jesus. It's like, God, I'm a mess. Will you show up? Will you tell me who you are? I'll follow you all the days of my life if I just know your love for me. I just know you're with me. I just know that you see me. That's all I need. I just need a glimpse of you. Got married. Found my bride at college. We got married. And not long after that, we were dealing with the disappointment of infertility. Kept moving on, finding God in those places. We've been married 34 years. Anybody knows if you've been married very long that there's nothing that make you look like Jesus than a loving, committed marriage. <laughs> Come on now. And I've had a business for 25 years. Had great joys and successes. Also had several painful losses where I've learned a, a lot during those trials. And I'm just saying that is my point is that I, like you, have had plenty of storms that have been painful and even crushing at some times. And I know we can all identify with some sort of trouble in life, but there's always reason to keep hoping. And the reason is because the one that controls the storm lives inside of you and me. And he always shows up. Every time. I've been following God for 30-something years. He has never let me down. I've been through a bunch of stuff, and you have too. He has never taken his eyes off of me. I'm still alive. That's a miracle in itself, right? God is good. And so he just wants us to be filled with hope. That's his, that's his hope for us. But hope doesn't always mean that we're going to know what he's doing. It just means that we can trust what he's doing. So before we close, can I show you how the disciples found hope in one of their darkest hours? Thank, thank you for that. So a couple little scriptures here as we wrap things up. John 16, 22, Jesus said, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. Look for the common theme here. John 20, 18, it says that Mary went and found the disciples and she said to them, I have seen the Lord, okay? And then in verse 19, it says that the place where the disciples were meeting, it says the windows were shut and the doors were locked because they feared for their lives. And it's like this room was like a prophetic picture of their hearts in this moment. But then while they're there, it says that Jesus appeared to them. And when he appeared to them, it says they were filled with joy. Okay? And when, while he was there appearing to them, he showed them the scars on his wrist, on his hands, 
in his side. And when they saw this, when they saw him, they realized he is the resurrection. They realized how much he loved them. And my point in saying this is that when we see him, everything changes. And this, friends, is the prescription for a painful, broken heart, seeing the beauty of Jesus. If you would be standing and we'll ask the worship team, ministry team, if we have some leaders that could help us out on ministry team today. We can get six or eight down here maybe. I feel like the older we get sometimes, the harder it is. Because <laughs> we're like, yeah, I've been here before. Right? We've got these places in our hearts that we just keep protected sometimes. <clears throat> we're like, and I really don't want to go through this again. <laughs> but if we'll give him permission to the doors of our heart, he will fill it with his love and his hope every time. And I know, guys, it takes courage. It takes courage in these places. It takes courage to trust him again. It takes, it takes courage to forgive. It takes courage to believe again in these places sometimes. But we want to be filled with hope so that we can give hope away to others. And really, it's why Jesus spent his whole ministry trying to convince us how much, of, how much he loved us. Everything he did. And one of the words for the Antioch movement this year, Jamie may be sharing some more with us of this later, but one of the words for the movement this year is to get healthy and stay healthy. Whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, there's a value for that. Let's be the people of God that are walking in health, doing the things, sometimes doing the things privately and behind the scenes that are helping us get to freedom and to walk in health. And so this morning, may we just again invite him into these moments, invite him into these places that need his love and his hope to be filling them. Maybe one of the things that will help you this year is to get connected to a life group so we can work these things out in community together. Maybe one of the things, maybe you're wanting, like you're realizing this morning, like, man, I, I want to increase prayer in my life. I'm seeing the value. I'm seeing the impact of it. Maybe you want a more consistent time with God in the mornings. This is one of the things that might help us. Or maybe you just need to have coffee with a friend and just begin on the journey of discipleship and walking things out together with somebody we know that loves us, that we trust. <clears throat> but I really, just whatever the need is this morning, guys, the invitation to all of us is just to hope again.